Welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Tom Gibbons of Brightside Digital. We're going to chat about Tom's podcast strategy to grow his podcast, the Digital Marketing Insights Show, and how he uses his podcast to get business. Tom is an experienced digital marketer who is always trying to innovate and come up with interesting campaigns for his clients. Welcome, Tom. I'm so happy to have you here today. Kelly, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited. Tell us a little about your podcast, the Digital Marketing Insights Show. And what made you decide to start it? Yeah, so obviously my show, I'll answer why I decided to do it first and foremost, is the beginning of the year I went freelance, which is a very daunting task for anyone at any stage of your career. And I decided a podcast would be one of the best marketing tools for my business from a networking point of view. And also it's really cost-effective to get podcast, a podcast out there and, and to market it. So that was the reasons why. Um, my podcast itself is very much bringing on different guests onto the show, talking digital. It doesn't necessarily have to be online, but normally it is digital, but we do talk marketing and business in some uh, our areas, but mainly, yeah, very much bringing people onto the show, networking, and finding out the stories of the individuals involved. Mm. I bet you learn a lot having guests on there. Yeah. Like digital marketing, there's so many different aspects of producing a, a successful business. Mm-hmm. You can be on a social, really strong, like organic. Just having a really successful podcast can be your business nowadays. So yeah, every everyone that comes on the show brings some sort of value and then that's really the trick as the host is to try and get that value out of someone. Absolutely. Yeah. I obviously love having guests on and have great conversations. And I personally learned something from every single guest. And I love bringing that value to my listeners as well. And something you said about, you know, podcasting, obviously that's what I promote using podcasting as a marketing tool for your business. And I don't really talk about or haven't really talked about it being a cost-effective tool for marketing your business, even though you've got these costs that go into it up front and maintaining it, it is still really cost-effective. You're so right about that. Yeah. So obviously from my point of view, I use uh, Audacity, which is a free editing software. I did start off by using Adobe Edition, mm-hmm. but went into Audacity just to save the costs on the Creative Cloud's uh, subscription. Yeah. So that software is free. I use Buzzsprout for my posting, which I'll touch on in, in a little while. So that, that allows me to post on all the major platforms in one go once I have the audio file. And that's about... $10 a month. And then away from that, I'll add uh, a, a couple of different areas. So Headliner is a free tool that I use for marketing, but really you could be looking at uh, $30 a month for all in spend. And then scope can be huge in terms of networking and marketing the right way. Absolutely. Yeah. So on this show, as I you know, sort of just mentioned, 
my goal is to help entrepreneurs use podcasting as a tool to boost their authority, expand their reach and get more clients. But to do that, we do have to promote our podcast, even though our podcast is promoting our business. We can't just do the podcast and, you know, let it sit there. It's not a, uh, if you build it, they will come sort of thing. So you know, people do make mistakes when promoting their podcasts. What kind of mistakes do you see podcasters making in promoting their shows? Kelly, you're spot on first and foremost. You can't expect to just post and people will come and listen to you. You do have to do the legwork, unfortunately, as well, when you're trying to get your listenership up. Um, right now in the social space, best to platforms for organic posting is TikTok and LinkedIn. Now, depending on your podcast content, you can go with one or the other. So for example, my podcast is business and marketing based. So LinkedIn probably be the more preferred organic posting platform to, to scale up there. Whereas TikTok would be the best for, you know, maybe more arts based or that, that kind of content. So the mistakes podcasters make is that so that's the first one is you can't ha have an ego or be arrogant you have to leg work mm -hmm. another one i see all the time and i mentioned just a minute ago buzz buzzsprout is what i use adding your podcast to every platform is so important one of the platforms i've recently added myself to and it was actually from my show one of the guests said that they were using castbox mm -hmm. and they fix returns their subscribers to their show just by using CastBox and using a little bit of their advertising section. But you've got to realize that there's multiple platforms out there. Obviously, the most obvious ones being the Spotify's, the Apple's, the Google Podcasts, and maybe Amazon Music now. Amazon Music's an interesting one because of Alexa and the setup in homes. That the mistakes podcasters make usually is they'll produce the podcast and then they're not actually doing the work to get the name out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. so that. And yeah. with getting on all of those other platforms, I think it's really helpful to, yeah, look into what are the other platforms are like, and look at your analytics as well to see which platforms your show is performing well on. So my top platform is Apple and I, I believe I'm on everything. I mean, there are some I probably don't know about, but I've looked into it. I seem to be on everything. And another one that my show is popular on is Overcast. And I just thought that was so interesting. So way by far, my my top platform is Apple, which I think is cool because I'm an Apple person. But anyway, and then Overcast, yeah, is up there. And I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I wasn't even aware of it until I really dug into all of the platforms it's a perfect example the good thing about those smaller platforms and you know there's still thousands tens of thousands listening on those platforms need mm -hmm. a couple of listeners and then they write a review or they subscribe and they interact with the podcast and then you're taking their their highlighted spaces on the platform mm. so those podcasting platforms if that could be a strategy for, for your podcast or for anyone's podcast is, okay, it's great long-term target. I'll focus on Apple and Spotify and Google, but in the short term, I'll focus on the smaller platforms and, try and get listeners on there. Um, the way, the best way to do that is 
yeah, using different networks to get listeners on. So kind of cross market. So like I mentioned before, LinkedIn is a good one for me. Um, building up my LinkedIn audience. So um, I will link in with people on LinkedIn, ask them, uh, I'll know by their experience, ask them if they'd like to be on the show. And then it's a very much micro strategy. So people can come in. Um, you got to realize, let's say most people on LinkedIn will probably have 400 connections. LinkedIn organic algorithm so good. When they post, they're more than likely going to hit those 400. So if you reach out to someone in, let's say, my example, the digital space, you connect with them, you ask them to be on the show. All of a sudden, they come on the show. It's a little bit of their time. You'll post and sing about them on, on LinkedIn. They'll reshare it or do their own post. And all of a sudden, you're almost grabbing that audience every time. So you actually snowball effects using the algorithm to your advantage. And then every time, so I can be better on all those platforms, like you mentioned, I'll change up the links and make sure Spotify is the first link. Then it'll be app. Then it'll be a mix around the links that have been shared. So you can all of a sudden hit different platforms at different times. Interesting. So, all right. So let's get into your strategy then. But let me ask specifically about that one first as we move into strategy. So... I normally share my website link, you know, to the episode on my podcast blog page. So you recommend sharing multiple times on, let's say, LinkedIn, because that's also, I think, where a, a predominance of my audience is. So I would, each time I would share to a different podcast platform instead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if that's how you, if you want to improve on those platforms. So mm -hmm. For example, if you're number one for Apple, which I have been uh, several times throughout the year, I know I've got a certain amount of subscribers or listeners to that platform. So by switching up the links to one of the other platforms, you're just sending traffic to those platforms. And number one, I'm pretty sure some of the big ones notice you are pushing traffic to those platforms. But more importantly, you then, the, all these platforms are going to be based around reviews, the amount of people listening to the episodes, the amount of subscribers. So generate more in each of them. You're going to get the benefits of being highlighted as one of the main platforms in the top of the charts and things like that. True. That makes sense. So I have pondered this or contemplated this before, which links to share, because the benefit of sharing the link to your website is the potential of getting them on your email list, having them check out your services and something like 92% of first time visitors to your website are not going to buy from you, you know, which is why you ideally want them on your email list. And yeah. yet having them follow your podcast is similar to having them on your email list, because if they're listening week to week, they're hearing your message repeated week to week, or in my case, twice a week. So it's very similar. So I have you know, tossed around, which do I do? And I've played with both. Yeah. And it's all about it's a conundrum. Yeah. It's all about cross marketing though. So if you have a really good email database, or maybe you want new business and you want to increase that, you can make a lot of your messaging go back to driving traffic to your website or to different accounts. You know, it doesn't have to be, um, but it's all about in, in just digital space in general, it's all about getting point A to point B as soon as mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. If you're doing 
paid ads or something in social and you're trying to sell a product or a pair of shoes or something, if you can do from paid ads or discovery to the product you're trying to sell as soon as possible and making that stage, reduce that stage to as fewer stages as possible. So maybe add products, basket page, you know, if you can reduce that, you're going to have a higher level of conversion. That's the exact same with podcasts and listenerships. If if your target is growing your podcast, um, yeah, you should be sending links. But I think fundamentally, uh, podcasting is just one tool. It's, a, it's all about building that network there. But then, yes, making sure you're building networks across the board. So whether that's your LinkedIn, your Instagram, um, your email database, your, your website traffic, just making sure you're building out those networks. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense since podcasting wouldn't be the only link that we're sharing and it's not our only marketing tool, then sharing the links to Apple, Spotify and others, whatever our podcast strategy may be, then we're sharing other links throughout the week to other things, namely back to our website. So that makes sense to grow our podcast, then we want to share links to the different podcasting platforms. And then for other marketing aspects, we'd want to share links back to our website. Yeah. yeah. That and makes sense. Back to your Apple uh, example, Kelly, if you're sending people just the Apple podcast, they might be on Android and it's not suggesting them to, to, to go to that. And you have right. to be aware of where you're sending your traffic to. Right. That makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. And on Instagram, in my link in bio, after you click there, then it just takes them to my podcast blog on my website. Now on there, on the main blog, there are links to, it's actually to Podlink, which then links to everything. So that gives them options. uh, So they don't have to listen right on my blog, but yeah. So that's I'm the exact same with that. Podkite is the one I use. So yeah. Yeah. Those are great. All right. Yeah. So let's talk other things in your podcast strategy. What other sure. tips do you have for us? So for, from my point of view, my goal isn't necessarily to have the biggest podcast. I, I obviously would love to have a, a big list, listenership and I'm growing my listenership few, uh, like very quickly. But fundamentally, it's about building a network for me. My objective of the podcast, it's allowing me to have a tool of, I want to touch base with the ambition of everyone who has a career in digital on, on, on LinkedIn and then across all the different platforms. The reason why I want that is really I'm using the podcast as a business tool to, to get work and to share insights with like-minded people. But fundamentally, someone that's been doing digital marketing for you know, over 10 years, I I don't know enough of people in the industry when when I went freelance and not enough people knew about me, you know, and there's a lot of value in having the for, uh, a foray in, in a space. So it's a highly competitive market. There's so many people and there's so many different ways of marketing a business. We can We can agree in all those areas, but usually you're going to work with people, whether it's in, in any industry, really, you can think of. You're going to work with people you trust and you like and you enjoy. So the podcast for me is a gateway to get my voice out there for, for 
you know, for people to like me, hopefully, and then want at least my advice when they have something wrong digitally because I'm very experienced in that area. So my podcast strategy is reaching out to everyone. At the moment, LinkedIn is my main area because the algorithm goes that way. So I link, uh, I, I use that as a tool and I try and get people in and, and I'm using the those micro audiences to, to grow the podcast. And I realize for every 400 con- connections they have on their shows and then they share, you'll probably attain 20, 50, maybe 100 people listen to the show each time. Mm-hmm. You're going to get maybe 20% of that audience every time just because they enjoy the show and listen to another episode, another episode. So that strategy is really strong. The second part is obviously you all have to balance your times in different ways. But for me, I use Headliner, which then exports out, uh, it's all made to export out an audio file to TikTok and then a second one to YouTube. So while I'm producing nice audio clippets of the show, it's actually being published on YouTube and TikTok. So the idea there is after a while, if any of those platforms get momentum, I'll shift my marketing and my network uh, ideas to, to those platforms instead. Mm, that makes sense. So tell me a little bit more about headline, uh, a headline or headliner? I don't know. Headliner, yeah. Headliner. yeah. So it, it's, uh, you, you put in your RSS feed or just type in a podcast name and it will basically pull in the episode into just just a kind of editable audio file and you can choose snippets of that and then it'll allow you to export out creatives so mm. kind of nice canva kind of template and you'll choose whether you want it to be an instagram stories template or um something specific for linkedin or facebook or or oh, different wow. website banners and so it produces these audio clips so you can make them very visual with your own podcast thumbnail or or different you can you can edit them in different ways but it's a it's it's creating content basically and usually what i do is the day after every episode when i put out a new content episode i'll create a headliner uh, audio file so what it does is it allows me to almost talk about the show twice on my different platforms mm-hmm. second time round it's 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 almost given everyone a preview of what the podcast is about and so if somebody's that particular episode's around their skill set or something of interest, I'll listen to it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I looked into it and then never went back to it. So I haven't fully explored everything that Headliner does. Yeah. So, and we really should be promoting each episode more than once because yeah. people aren't going to see it the first time we share. They might not grab onto that one thing that we share. And so promoting more than once, it's several times, like I've seen some people do this really, really well, promoting a bunch more than twice, you know, four or five times, you know, they, I'm thinking of this, this one woman who puts out a new episode once a week. And so she's promoting the five work days during the week. Maybe she even does weekends before the next episode comes out and she'll tweak the copy that she uses to share each time. And it does not get old. Like when I see it, I don't go, oh, again, no. I go, oh, that's a little different bit of information. 
with you know within the same theme of the episode it's just fabulous yeah and and, and I, I take the exact same strategy and actually from anyone listening who is passionate about their podcast or wants to grow it the the big thing about actually going high up in the charts is consistency you do only produce your podcast once a week usually the podcast system unless you have consistent traffic coming to the podcast every day which no one does because we all know when anything if a new email goes out we all go within the first hour or two to listen to check out the email and then it will just die down uh, the exact same as for podcasts when you post you'll have your momentum periods and then after the days go down it starts going down by doing things like headliner and producing that consistency you're spiking up the traffic over several days mm-hmm which means the the episode and the algorithm will notice this and push you further up the charts Mm. is an important strategy. Absolutely. So let's talk about how people share their episodes on social media. The norm is check out my new episode. That's not very effective, is it? No, but all goods marketing especially socially it's all about partnerships and collaboration and trying to be inclusive so if you were the vast majority of podcasts do have guests involved is the the format for podcasting a lot of the time so number one tagging your guest in tagging tagging in their resources make it so you're giving whoever is on the show as much value out of the show as anyone else you know that a, a lot with my show i don't necessarily have a kind of perfect guest if you know what i mean I, i'm very inclusive so i'll have someone that's a ceo or founder of a big business or i'll have a person that's been in market in only a couple of months um and, and then that dictates the show because even the people that are in the in a couple of months the, the couple of guests i've had you can navigate, you know, the aspirations and they normally have more enthusiasm. And uh, the one thing I would say is the people that feel like you've kind of chosen them or you've allowed them, you've given them an opportunity. They're some of the best marketers from the show after they really want to tell, get their voice out there and they see the opportunities of it. So yeah, I think that's a great way of, of, of networking is that cross collaboration and tagging people to share. Absolutely. That really makes sense. I've experienced that too. And you're so right about the people who aren't like CEOs, top executives, they are more enthusiastic and more motivated to share because I have had a couple of guests who didn't share at all. And it's a quote requirement that you share your episode, but I put it, you know, I just put requirement and quotation marks because how do you enforce it? You can't, you know, there's no penalty you can impose. You know, you can't go say, I'm going to remove your episode now. You know, no, I'm not going to do that (laughs) because that hurts me and my listeners. So you can't enforce it. You just have to tell them, you know, you need to share the episode and then it's up to them. So, but yes, tagging them still notifies their followers that, hey, this person is in this episode and then it can pop up for them anyway. So Exactly that. But uh, you're completely right. And actually that's been my experience as well is the 
bigger the following or the the bigger the guest, the less work or even sharing is involved sometimes, which you can't it's it's an, I, I understand that people can be busy and there's several reasons. You have to give them the benefit of doubt. Mm-hmm. As if you're trying to, you know, collaborate on audiences, it is frustrating. But at the same time, you know, each their own, how I take it is when you were talking about recycling content, I suppose the only thing you could do is maybe not refer to those kind of episodes. Yeah, that's true. Very true. And with sharing solo episodes, something that I recommend doing is finding a hook from the episode. So even with a solo, you still don't say, check out my latest episode about blah, blah, blah. Start out with the hook. Asking a question is a really good way to do that because questions get the listeners involved and you want to create desire for potential listeners because you want to yes drive current listeners or current followers to remind them to go check out that new episode but you also want to get new listeners to your show and that's not going to happen just by saying check out my latest episode if they're not already listening they don't care so you need to give them that hook and create desire so that they're like oh I do need to go check that out yeah, uh, really good point. And I suppose for, for anyone listening, again, the questions you ask throughout the show, it can it can make it easier in terms of editing and getting the content out if you have certain set areas that are very important. So uh, during my show, I'll, I'll ask about, for example, softwares, and you know, one of the one of the most listened to episodes is I had a marketer on, and he spoke about AI and how he uses AI content for producing a lot of his content um, for his clients. And he basically said in it that he used to work with a team of eight people. And now the content that he produces with a team of eight, he's now producing himself. It would take them a week to do Mm. 50 pieces. He can now do all those 50 pieces himself in one day using this AI technology. It has a format for it. And when I took that snippet out and put it out on platforms, just just straight away, as soon as you give value and advice that other people aren't necessarily talking about, or you know the cutting edge, something that might be you know the the big game changer for your work, that tends to be you know really well listened to and shared to and looked at. Absolutely, that is a great point. So do you use, I know the answer, but I'm asking anyway. Do you use your podcast to get new clients? Yeah, 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 I do. Um, So what what I've done now is when I'm pitching for new work, because for anyone that's freelance or anyone working in agencies and, and things like that, where you're not actually doing the marketing for your business a lot of time, you're doing it for external clients and stuff. It's actually really hard to win over um, new clients sometimes. And I I don't blame it because it's very hard to prove what you've actually done for those companies or not. And especially in, in my line of work, you could have done brilliant work for a year for a client and they've you've spiked up their traffic, you've got new audiences, follow followers, yada yada. But then if the client goes or, you know, it, it, it just finishes, it could be naturally or anything. But the reality is that's all for that business. It's not necessarily for your own. So yeah, so 
by me having the podcast and, and being number one in the chart several times, um, it's allowed me to just say, listen, I know how to do this. I've done this, you know, and it's just another string to your bow. So I do, I do shamelessly drop it in. But yeah, it, it's a great way of networking. And I, I suppose from my point of view, back to what I spoke about, my LinkedIn uh, connecting with people, I'm also trying to build a network that when people check me out and you do this with any clients or anyone you're looking into, you check their social medias nowadays. But if you see they're connected with 50 people you know, all of a sudden you're like, well, these 50 have been in touch with them. Uh, he must he must know something, you know? So it, it at least opens more doors, definitely. Absolutely. And it also helps to pre-sell potential clients on you and your services. Potential clients want to check out everything you're doing. They scour your website. They don't just read your about page and the services page. You know, if you don't have a blog or a podcast, you know, sharing lots of free content, they don't have anything else to go by. I mean, yeah, social media, and that definitely helps. But if you've got a podcast, that's just so much more powerful than a blog or just the social media because they really get to know you, hear your voice, uh, feel your personality, and get your content, your free content. So they then come to you wanting to say yes to your service, to your offer. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, especially in freelance work, you have to, everyone wants you for the maximum amount of hours with the least amount of pay. That age old saying has never really changed in, in some ways, but word of mouth and recommendations are key to any business. And as an age, it's, for, it's the same for mechanics and electricians and builders and everything else. Every recommendation restaurants, you know, uh, any of your products you wear and stuff. If you get word of mouth and it's from someone that you trust and respect, immediately you know there's going to be a certain level of quality there. And quite frankly, that's where my success is has been is I've just worked hard at trying to be as best as I can at what I do. Mm -hmm. And then the word of mouth, someone says, listen, I've been working with Tom, Tom, he's done this. And all of a sudden it opens a new gateway and you're completely right. Uh, I've had more of my new clients than ever saying, I listened to one or two of your episodes. I love this. I love Mm -hmm. it. And it does brilliant way of marketing yourself. Absolutely. And what you just said too about referrals applies to getting new listeners to your podcast as well. People, if they remember even one specific episode, if they can remember your podcast name and they're really digging your show, again, even one episode, they're going to be more likely to refer it to friends and colleagues, whether that's sharing on social media, but really often verbally telling someone else about it. And like you just said, people will take recommendations from other people they trust. So we'll, you know, I'll talk about all that through other episodes and already have. So, you know, go back and check all that out and work on your podcast branding and go back to the episode on naming if you haven't named your show yet, because having something really memorable that indicates what the show is about is really helpful with that too and getting recommendations. If people can't remember your podcast name, then they can't recommend it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's all about adding value. If, mm-hmm. if, and 
add value. So anything you say enhances this person's career or work or life, all of a sudden that's going to resonate with you and you will come back and try and find the source of that. So yeah, even if they can't remember the name of your service or product or something, where if you did add that much value, then you'll be found, no doubt. Yeah, very true. And they can find you by your name as well when they <laughs> yeah. search on the podcast platform. So make one of them memorable, at least, you know, name of the podcast or be sure to mention your name in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and help them find something. Uh, so do you have any other tips for helping people get listen, use their podcast to get clients? Did we cover what you wanted to say there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like uh, I mentioned CastBox briefly, but I, I think we've probably hit enough areas for people to... Okay, don't want to overwhelm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's enough for them to do from here. So <laughs> what do you think is the most, is the biggest practical benefit you've gotten out of podcasting? Do you know what? It, it would have to be the people itself so the opportunity to understand the market and the capabilities of of the people in the market mm. so in digital there's so many ways of being successful as i mentioned before you know we're living in an incredible time and i, I really mean that because i think for the first time in history uh, the internet and, and digital in general has completely leveled the playing fields for everyone but it's not it's not really seen just yet, uh, not in the mainstream, I suppose. So uh, what springs to mind is all these famous YouTubers who now have, you know, you, you look at someone like Mr. Beast, who a lot of his videos is him giving away huge amounts of money to communities, uh, all these different uh, individuals. And he has a... I think it's 150 million subscribers and then he gets millions of views of his videos. But he has more power now than things like Cartoon Network and most of the traditional big cable TV shows. He, he has bigger listenership than nearly everything. And when you think about that, that's just one guy in, in I think he's late 20s now, um, and there's so many success stories like that out there. And I think when I do my show, I'm just learning so many different areas of digital marketing that I wouldn't necessarily put my best foot forwards. I've always been paid, organic, a bit of social, a bit of affiliates. But then I'll, I'll come onto the show and someone will be talking their, their main areas of affiliates and their episodes about affiliates and talking about area and I'm, I'm kind of sitting back thinking wow have I been doing my work wrong focusing on all these areas the last 10 years when you know this person's so good at YouTube he has more influence than anyone else in Ireland so you know like it, it, it that's the nature of digital marketing and, and the industry and I think that's super exciting yes and when you think about having over a hundred million followers or subscribers you know whichever I remember, was it Ashton Kutcher who was the first person to get a million followers on, was it Twitter? Uh, and that and that made the news. Yeah, 
Yeah. However many years ago that was. Yeah, it was definitely Ashton Kutcher. It was either Twitter or Instagram. I think it was Twitter. Yeah, yeah right? maybe it was Instagram. Yeah. And for the yeah. million, I mean, it was newsworthy. Yeah. It's and amazing I, how this know, is just really snowballed and, or, you know, has grown exponentially. You know, digital uh, information growth is exponential. And, you know, we really do see that. I'd be interesting if I went back and looked up what year that happened. So, uh, okay. What would you say is the most personally rewarding thing you've gotten out of podcasting? Uh, meeting people. Mm-hmm. I have had, had, I've created some friendships through the podcast and I've also created probably two, three people who work with me on different oh. projects time to time. So I've accumulated people that help me out in certain projects as well as just meeting people and, and throwing over ideas. I've, I've now got myself into a position where pretty much every major channel driver in digital, I know someone who's either high up in a company or a freelancer. And if I'm struggling with something, I might send an email. And that for me is, it's key. You, any business, you're only as strong as the community and the network around you. And once I've been in, you know, some really good positions throughout my career, and it's only once you leave all that and you don't have the structure of a business and the marketing budget and all these things behind you, do you realize, wow, you don't really have much. And the podcast allowed me to to meet so many great people in their spaces from it. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Have that experience as well. So who is your ideal client? and what kind of work do you do with them so that listeners can know that in case they're yeah. interested? So um, my idea, my ideal client is someone that's willing to go the extra mile for themselves. I've actually, in the year of trading, working for myself, I've had a complete mix of clients where I've had some that are like, Tom, I know you can do what you can do. I'm going to stand off and let you do what you have to do. And I'll I'll be honest, I don't really like it that way because then you're almost saying you're going to be the reason why I'm successful. And I think client needs to be the reason why they're successful. So that would be my first part of it. My second part is I recently had, I recently spoke to someone who said they don't take clients at all if they're not willing to do video or put themselves out there. And I wouldn't go as far as saying that, but as soon as they said it, I knew exactly what they meant. There's too many businesses and, and people near the top of businesses still who aren't willing to put their face or their voice or anything to the business or the brand, especially the owners. And I think it's very difficult if it owner isn't willing to talk about their business or content and there's so many great ways of you know getting out press getting on certain uh content-based websites to do that i think that's that's something i would really consider as a good client i away from that i think everyone in the freelance or the agency space should expect pressure and try and you know push boundaries and and always try and increase but um yeah that would be what i would look for in a good client. Um, a little bit about myself, uh, Brightside Digital. 
I, I, I basically go into businesses, I'll look at their whole market, I'll try and identify what, what they can improve on, but also use just my experience and expertise to identify what they should be doing. So to give you an example of that, I have a lot of lead gen based clients at the moment who don't necessarily have e-commerce stores. It's all about content, uh, contact details and building out that. Um, whereas traditionally I've worked for a lot of e-commerce websites and you have to completely change your marketing strategy books to enable, you know, people to, to generate the leads or get the contacts or the audiences that they're looking for. And you'll find a lot of time that there's members of staff, especially ones with experience who might've been on the other side of the events, like let's say B2B and, and B2C. And you actually, you have to adapt and learn so much in doing that. So at Brightside Digital, I do a lot of identifying the strategies. I'll build out uh, the gateways. I'll make sure everything's tracked. And I try and focus on automation. But I'll be, be honest with you, I don't try and do the day-to-day -day work. So I'd rather build, for example, social posting. I don't see the value in me writing content for your business and then posting it for you. And, and, and I think it's just a, quite an easy win in digital marketing. A lot of agencies love to do it, but I don't see it as much value. Number one, you should know your business better than anyone. Number two, you should really have a staff member in your business that knows your business better than any agency or anything like that out externally. But what I, what I would do is I would put the arm around the shoulder, teach them how to do it, build out templates in Canva and stuff so they can post. But then where my work would be coming in is I'll show you the reporting. I'll say, listen, this has worked. This has worked. This is the new trend. You know, uh, right now, YouTube Shorts is the place to be in terms of video content. Um, so I'd be saying YouTube Shorts is the opportunity. We should try and put a little bit of spend and focus in this area and we'll build out that strategy. So um, I'm a digital marketing agency, which is just myself. But a lot of time I'm looking to build out uh, content streams and, and working out what works for your business and your industry. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And how can people find you online to learn more or to work with you? Yeah, sure. So uh, it's brightsidedigital.io is my company website. Obviously, I'm the host of the Digital Marketing Insights Show. And if you like digital marketing like me, uh, give it a listen. And lastly, just touch base with me on LinkedIn, Tom Gibbons. Um, hopefully you find me. Awesome. I will share all those links in the show notes. And I really appreciate you being here today. This has been a fabulous conversation and you shared so much value that is definitely going to help listeners. Kelly, I'm such a fan. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.